Vine Pairs New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Chabal. And it's the Friday Vine Pair Podcast. God, just feels Finally. good to say sometimes. <laughs> you made it, Adam. Yeah, I really did. <laughs> It's been hard. One more week to Memorial Day. What do you guys do for Memorial Day, by the way? Oh, gosh, nothing. Nothing. It's dreadful to leave the city on Memorial Day. Yes. You know what I've decided? I don't know if it's like this in Seattle, Zach, but over the past few years Mm. for here, like you're like the dumbest person in the world if you book something Memorial Day weekend because the weather is so sort of hit or miss for like at least like the past five years in New York. It's like you could get beautiful, hot, whatever, or you could get rain and just gross. And then you're like, here's my beach vacation. This sucks. <laughs> it's always that's good. Yeah, it happens all the time. I feel like, like you're you're like you win the game if you stay in New York City on Memorial Day. Yeah. Well, as all of you are listening to this, I will not be in Seattle. Uh I we are taking a family trip to Walla Walla with my wife and kids and uh my dad and his partner. And, uh, yeah, we're going to go do some wine tasting and some uh, enjoying of the uh, outdoors because unlike New York City, it is a pretty safe bet that Walla Walla, Washington will be sunny and warm in yeah. May. That's uh, why I didn't want to assume. I didn't want to assume. Will I you hike? Assume. You're going to go hiking and stuff? Joanna, I don't hike. Oh, yeah. oh. So <laughs> so no, sorry. There will be no chasing waterfalls. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I like to uh, – Think about hiking. I used to go hiking, but no, it is low on the list of priorities. So what will you do? Probably some combination of Drink uh, wine. Visit, visit a few wineries uh, <laughs> and just kind of hang out. We've never outdoor actually taken activities. a trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a third Drinking place. outside is an outdoor activity. I want to be very clear on that point. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> there's a very nice pool in Walla Walla. We'll probably go there. Um, and honestly, part of it is just we have never taken a trip with my dad uh, and the kids. And so we're going nice. to do that. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, just kind of relax. It'll be pretty chill, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I will be getting out of town for Memorial Day, which has not typically been the case for me. But uh, why not? Plus, it's also Caitlin and my anniversary over the oh, Memorial Day weekend. Oh, happy so. anniversary. Happy <laughs> anniversary. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, my God. So it's Friday, man. Another life? It's I'm Friday. Confused. So was I what? <laughs> Did you work at Chili's in a different life? <laughs> yeah. God, you know, I never actually have one of those jobs. Uh, I probably would never either. have had enough flair. <laughs> you would have had the, the minimum amount of flair, which is not enough. I know. I know. Um, so, speaking of flair and chilies, it's actually yeah. the perfect segue, segue into our conversation today, which is all about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And the nostalgia that we're seeing coming back in the restaurant world specifically and how that's being reflected into drinks. Um, I like so I guess to start this off, like were you guys where you grew up, were you big sort of chain restaurant fans? And if you were, what was your favorite? Ooh. That's a good question. So Benny Hanna is and <sighs> was and will always be It'll the best chain. Heart. Yes, have my heart for sure. Um, but one that I was really fond of when I was a kid was uh the shit. Jungle Cafe. No. Oh, Rainfor- yeah. No, Rainforest, Rainforest Cafe. Cafe. You like Rainforest Cafe? <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. We didn't have those in the South. It had a weird smell, but it was really cool. <laughs> it had that water, that like weird treated smell. treated yeah. water smell, but it, and it was so misty in there. Yeah. And what really was the 95%, food? He, 95% humidity at all times? <laughs> yeah, exactly. what, like, what kind of food was there? Oh, I don't know. Hamburgers? I, <laughs> hamburgers. It, it, wasn't all, about, it wasn't about the food, I Adam. No, it's like all these restaurants and like the meal was hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Benihana is funny. I'll tell you a quick little story about Benihana. My niece 
who's six, loves Benihana. Yeah. And she made her her father and mother come up with a Benihana song that sometimes she demands to be sung to before she goes to bed. <laughs> it's all about how Poor great ben. Benihana is. Because <laughs> she likes Benihana so much. That's awesome. I mean, when you're a little kid, man, Benihana's the best. Yeah. It's dinner and a show. It's still yeah. great. <laughs> it's the, well, I really want to go to Benihana now. I can see the appeal as a parent now because Anything that keeps your child entertained for an entire meal is definitely a win. Yeah. So what about you, Zach? Favorite chain restaurant growing up? Well, okay. So as has, I think, come up on this podcast before, uh, I grew up in a household, two households, I guess, that were very, um, let's say, anti-chain restaurant in general. <laughs> um, I remember it being, and and to be also completely honest, I very, uh, at a relatively young age, was more than happy to play into the notion that such places were beneath me. Um, and I remember really, at a young yeah, age. At a young age. <laughs> I, you know, shockingly, I'm sure to the two of you and to all of our listeners, uh, I might've been a little bit of a pretentious. Did you, you wear know, a bow tie kid. as a kid? No, no, I wasn't that kind of pretentious, but, but food, I was a food snob. And, um, hmm. and at a time when, you know, most of my friends were, uh, didn't even think about what they ate except for that. They liked, you know, like French fries and stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I remember the, the couple of things that I remember are going to the first time I went to an Olive Garden, uh, which was I think I was like 11 uh-huh. uh, and I went with uh, or 12 maybe. And I went with a friend. Uh, I was staying like I was a sleepover and they wanted to go there like they were going out for dinner. And I was like, OK, whatever. And um, <laughs> oh, you were uh, my... such a little shit at Olive Garden, weren't <laughs> yeah. you? You're like, well, this is not truly Italian. Well, <laughs> I, well, I mean, it was not totally my fault. My stepmom owned an Italian restaurant that was like made yeah, okay. their own pasta and stuff. And I just yeah, remember, okay. I just remember being like, hmm, this is very good tomato on this. sauce. You're and, Alfredo, uh, yeah. And uh, and then I think the only the only thing that I was you know I was trying to think about like okay what fits into this kind of thing because obviously we're not talking about fast food here we're yeah. talking about you no, know no. kind of chain something restaurants like fast casual chain restaurants etc. I think the the one thing I will say that if this fits into the category and we can decide whether it does or does not, mm. I had a deeply unhealthy relationship with Chipotle in college, um, including uh, when they opened the first the Chipotle that was uh, in the East Village on I think St. Mark's. Um, they were doing a promotion the first day they opened uh, that basically everyone's burrito was free. So as you can imagine, there was an enormous line. And I am embarrassed to tell you how much time I spent in line getting free burritos that day. Uh, <laughs> but I got five of them. So, wow. Um, well, it so, was I was a college student and I was like, I can eat like two of these and that'll be all my food for the day. And I can put three more of them in my fridge and then I have food for the next two days. That's, and it yeah. was a pretty good idea except for the, like, the eight hours I spent in line at Chipotle. So I don't think it counts because it's fast casual. Okay, but I will. Give, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just give you Olive Garden. I say Olive Garden was your favorite because that's the one that you mentioned. <laughs> it's not all I got. Yeah. So for me, uh, there was probably so Alabama. Surprise, surprise. Didn't have a lot of like the chain restaurants we know. Uh-huh. So the first one that I remember. Like we would go to, but I didn't love like local chains. They had Shoney's. No. Anybody? Anybody? Shoney's. I'm, I'm aware of Shoney's. Shoney's Keith. Yeah. Do you know that? But do you know that from South Carolina, or do you know that from oh Maryland, Florida? Florida. Shoney's. Oh, Florida. So South. Okay. So it, it was terrible. My parents hated it, but it like it was like the restaurant potent that was like initially in Auburn that was a chain, and then it was a huge deal when Applebee's came. 
Okay. And Chili's came like a huge deal, like like literally wait for like an hour, wow, to get into these places. And then the biggest deal was when I was in like middle school, like junior high, Outback came, Outback, Ooh. and that motherfucking blue and onion, yeah. yeah, and that was like the best. And you'd get the salad with like the brown <laughs> bread. And then, and like the salad was not good. It was like iceberg lettuce and big croutons and cheese, and like all this random shit in it and a honey mustard dressing. <laughs> there was like, it basically like, hey, would you like some sugar for your vegetables? Cool. Let's dump all this on. <laughs> and then that bread that was, I don't even know if it was bread with the butter that was sweetened. Mm-hmm. So it was like sweet butter. And then you'd have this steak that was, you know, covered in salt, but a blooming, you had to have a blooming onion. Of course. So that was probably my favorite chain because it was what we had. And yep. that was like the place to like to go. It's like where you took like your your high school date, like you know, like or like your, your pre dance date. You ever went to Outback? <laughs> uh, and then when I got to college, I moved to it. I went to college in Atlanta, and I'd never ever ever been to a Maggiano's before. Oh, Maggiano's Macaroni Grill. Yes, Macaroni Grill. The right, right, right. Best that <laughs> that and Cheesecake Factory. Also great. Cheesecake Factory is like, I mean, Josh, who found, co-founder in Vine Bear, Josh loves Cheesecake Factory. Sorry, Josh, blowing it up. Who doesn't? Uh, oh, God. There's Santa like Fe a- chicken salad. That was Josh's order. I just want everyone to know. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a cult of Cheesecake Factory lovers. I think that's there. what it was, Josh. Don't call me out. Well, you're on vacation anyway, so you're not going to hear this. But uh, <laughs> I think it was called the Santa Fe chicken salad, or maybe it was the Chinese chicken salad. One of the chicken salads that's he so really liked. Worse. Yeah, they were both like all pretty good, though. Um, and so, but you know, they all, so all, but what all these places have always had in common is really cheesy drinks. Of course. You know, and I think over the last few years, TGI Fridays has like leaned back into that with like it's $2 margarita and nights, Applebee's, Applebee's right? as mm-hmm. well. Like they're both kind of like going for it. And what we're seeing is that, so, so there's like a debate as to what's happening here, but the, the claim that some food journalists would make. I'd say food journalists in quotes <laughs> is that people have like gone to the suburbs during COVID, f- fallen back in love with the chain restaurants because mm-hmm. they lived in these cities and didn't have them, which is bullshit. I'm sorry, but there's a lot of chain restaurants in most cities, including New York. If you liked them that much, go. And then they've come back to the cities and like they want those chain restaurant dishes because like they felt safe because they were like I kind of think it's all bullshit I just think that it's like it's the trend we're going through right now yeah I do think we're seeing it though we're seeing these like chefy versions yes. of them coming back to the city yes and so it's everywhere and I kind of don't think we need it no. I'm not interested not interested no even like, from a food perspective no like, like if I wanted a blooming onion that- I'd go to Outback and get a blooming <laughs> onion they perfected it over like 30 years and tons of food so- like tons of laboratory shit like they know what they're doing like I don't need someone's blooming onion in Brooklyn I'm sorry I don't I'm not interested in Patty Ann's blooming onion I'm not interested in it <laughs> I've got to say my I do I've had that blooming onion yeah it was good yeah it was as I remember yeah. a blooming onion it was much more expensive than exactly. a blooming onion. And exactly. I think that's kind of the very interesting thing that we're seeing with this trend is these types of dishes, these comfort, you know, comfort food dishes coming back onto menus, but they're like wildly marked up. $35. I mean, watching people make, you know, mozzarella sticks yeah. for like at a fancier place with like their garlic bread that would you would probably get sort of like at a 
Olive Garden or Amagiano's or whatever for $17. And I'm just like, no. Like, look, when I want a pecan waffle, hash brown smothered and covered, and, you know, toast and bacon, I'm going to go to Waffle House, y'all. I'm not going to go eat your shit at some place where you're going to charge me 20 times the price for it. Yeah. I just if if Waffle House is what you want to do, you want to you want to make feel like Waffle House, open a Waffle House. Yeah, I, but I do think that this is they're playing on people's sense of like sentimentality and nostalgia that everyone seems to be craving right now after is it after the pandemic? I don't like know. why is it happening? That's what I want to know. Well, I'm curious too if there's another element to this besides maybe this nostalgia thing. Is it that these drinks, these foods feel transgressive in a way to people that there's something about both the kind of I'm just going to use this term. I'm not going to I'm not using it. Uh, I don't mean it uh, sort of judgmentally, but like an appeal of this sort of lowbrow food drink. Kind yeah. Of. Yep. And, and also the idea that, you know, in, in addition, in many of these cases, we're talking about things that are also like extremely unhealthy. And we've talked. Yeah. We've sort of seen this like backlash mm-hmm. to, you know, health conscious food and drink in like you know we talked about it like it's been talked about a lot with like the martini that people are like fuck wellness i want to get drunk and um you may be seeing with some of these food and drinks that are like very sweet and very sort of sugar forward or alternatively have sugar and everything even if it's not always super apparent like in the salad dressing or whatever and that people are like you know what whether it's post pandemic like i survived this and i don't give a shit about my health in 40 years or whatever that people are just kind of motivated by the fact that like they are eating something that feels lowbrow. They're eating something that's like, you know, kind of overtly unhealthy and that that may just be the mood that not all people are in, but that a segment of the population is in, in this place and time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've, we've seen it with fashion as well, Mm -hmm. right? Like the bucket hat. Yeah. Come on with the bucket hat. I love a bucket hat, but now there are like very expensive (sighs) Gucci bucket hats. Yeah. No. Um, but Juicy I think, Couture is coming back. Yeah. And I think it's really fascinating. It is. But I think, you know, for me, what's, what's sort of problematic about all of it, what I'm not into is the, they're just not good. And it's, <laughs> it's this, I get it. It's this reaction to like, we don't want to be seen as foodies anymore. We don't want to be seen as drinks snobs anymore. Right. We just want to get fucked up and eat good stuff and eat food. But like none of it's good. Like these drinks aren't good. They're sugar bombs. They're being, you know, they're using spirits that are meant to be hidden like vodka. So literally it's just, and so I don't really understand the appeal, especially when I think that it's all sort of at odds with each other because then we're, we're saying that we don't care, but then at the same time, there's always people that say they really do care. And like, let's talk about where the drink comes from. Let's talk about its provenance. And, you know, and people are still getting really excited about classic martinis, which is a very different cocktail. So it's, it's weird that it's happening at the same time. At odds with that. right? Yeah. It's really weird. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and it's kind of unclear to me how it's being driven. A lot of people want to blame Gen Z, but I I don't really think it's Gen Z's fault here because I actually think that Gen Z are the ones that are getting the most excited about martinis and things like that I actually think these are millennials and if you look at like who's writing about these as being the next drinks of summer stuff they're millennials Mm -hmm. you know so what is it that millennials have gone through that all of a sudden like we want to go eat at TGI Fridays or is it just that you know people are having children and stuff and they're like hey you know my kids having mozzarella sticks I want mozzarella sticks too yep I mean that's interesting that's interesting actually but aren't 
millennials not having kids? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a lot of them aren't. I, I have so I, I don't know. I think it's just, it's so weird to me. And some of the drinks that I'm here for, like, you want to make a Kahlua mudslide? Let's go. My brother told me that he's been having like pina coladas around the city yeah, recently. There are a lot of them. There's and I a was lot like, of, what? There's a lot of those. I'm seeing a lot of a grasshopper. Like the, yeah, a lots grasshopper. of lots of mudslides. I'm here for those. Uh, the one I'm not here for is the one that's sitting in front of me right now. <laughs> what do you got, Adam? So, so before prior to, I just want. Okay, listener, I want to talk to you. Let's. Uh, Joanna and Zach are not here. Uh, so prior to the recording, I asked what we were, you know, going to be drinking today, and Joanna initially told me about a, a, um, a Smirnoff Ice and. I like I have fond memories of icing people, and I thought that could be fun, and maybe we would ice Keith, and he would get down on one knee like you're supposed to, and he would chug the smear off, and it would be hilarious, and we would all have a great Friday. And so I was kind of excited for this for this episode, and then <sighs> Joanna said, "No, Adam, I'm making dirty Shirley's," and I said, "You must be fucking with me because <laughs> there's no way that you would ever do that to me. You know how I feel about this." And then she proceeded to put a dirty, dirty Shirley in front of me. <laughs> I literally want nothing to do with this trend. I, I didn't like, like, I just think it's so stupid. And no disrespect to the writer. I don't know her, but she's a fucking food writer. And I'm sorry, there's no way that she knows what a drinks trend is going to be. And every bartender I've talked to has been like, there's no way we will allow this to happen. <laughs> like, and to be fair, in her article, she says that when everyone sees these being ordered, everyone else wants to order them. No, they don't. These look like a fucking just large, extra large Negroni. Like, I, don't, like, no, who's I would gonna, order that, though. I mean, yeah, I would order that. <laughs> so I, I don't know. This is so bright red and just... This doesn't this doesn't say refreshing to me at all. Literally what this says is how do I bleach my insides more red than they probably already are? And you know what it looks what's like happen? a hangover. It, it looks, looks like, like a hangover in a glass. I, but, I but where where this. actually where are people seeing these? Are people actually ordering them? That's what I'm confused about. I don't about. think they are. I've not seen them in one place, but you know, the New York Times writes about it and it's a trend. <sighs> oh my god, they this are is the paper terrible. of record. That's how it works. <laughs> so this tastes Uh-oh. like something I would concoct in college. This yes, is the exactly. worst drink I've literally put on my palate in <laughs> years. But we had ranch water. Last yeah, time. dude, cacti is worse than this. this I'm sorry. T- no, this tastes like rancid, like poison. Did you put arsenic in this? No, I put, <laughs> I put tattersall vodka in it. Okay, can you tell everyone the recipe? Sure. Of this abomination? Oh, sure. Um, it's two ounces of vodka. I use tattersall, like I said, um, an ounce of grenadine, and um, an ounce of grenadine, an ounce of grenadine, and then you top it up with Sprite or Seven Up, and then you top it with um, a maraschino cherry. What did you use, Sprite or Seven Up? I use Sprite. Is that what's wrong with it? No, I actually <laughs> I prefer Sprite to Seven Up. <laughs> it's just bad, man. It's just. Did you drink Shirley Temple's as a kid? When I was like four. Oh, like no, I don't think I did. Like, maybe I had one when I was four at, like, someone's wedding or something like, oh, Adam, blah, blah, blah. No, I didn't drink Shirley Temple's. I mean, th- and I probably did. My parents were like, that's never going to happen again because you guys see how animated I am already without sugar. So just think about <laughs> what this would have been like for a five-year-old Adam to have a Shirley Temple. Like, woo, let's go. So, no, I did not have a Shirley it, Temple. It's reminding I- me of something, and I just don't know what it is. Crap. <laughs> Part of it, okay, so part of this to me is, like, I am, like, vaguely intrigued by this concept if you were to not sort of kind of go with the like horrific, like, you know, chemical dye grenadine that is yeah. sort of associated with this, like, 
Well, you mm-hmm. want a gourmet dirty Shirley. Well, I think if you I think I think like grenadine is actually like one of these ingredients, like when properly made actually from pomegranate that I think is actually dramatically underappreciated in like cocktail world. Um, it's really delicious and makes like a really tasty. It's an important part of like a lot of tropical drinks. And it's also just like a fun thing to add into cocktails and play around with. And I've actually made my own grenadine before. Me too. Although to make to make these, I uh, I, I borrowed from a. I borrowed from a bar owner, a friend of mine, um, some uh, grenadine and also some maraschino cherries because I don't carry either of those things at home uh, <laughs> and I don't want to buy any. But I I think that like the, the sort of basic template of like the lemon lime soda, you know, g- actual grenadine and vodka is not like inherently bad, but you're putting in a truly horrific ingredient, i.e. I like mass produced grenadine into, you know, whatever Sprite or I actually have seven up, but it doesn't really matter. And um, and then like topping it with maraschino cherries, which to me are actually the greatest abomination of all of these things. Um, they are <laughs> truly horrific. And again, it haunts me to this day that I ate as many of them as I did as a child. Because unlike Adam, I was not a and, and to to spoil things, uh, I was not a Shirley Temple kid. I was a Roy Rogers kid, uh, and I made one of the a dirty Roy Rogers for myself as well. Isn't that the same thing, but for boys? Well, it's made with cola instead of oh. like lemon lime soda. Um, oh. It's not just. <laughs> The same thing for boys, uh, oh, but I'm sure. Yes, uh, no, that's true. Actually, that it was so, like a long time ago, a long, long time ago. Like the Shirley Temple, it was like those right. were the things. Then it became yeah. for little kid for all little kids. Yes. But yes, which is uh, funny. And so I made one of those too because I was like, well, if we're doing this, I'm gonna I'm gonna try the the spiked version of the thing I actually drank as a kid. And the I will say that the the dirty Roy Rogers is like. I will constantly you spike it with? times better. Um, Same thing. I, I used vodka as well. I would probably, if I were making it really for myself, I'd probably use like whiskey or something. That's what I was wondering. Cause then I could probably would be a little bit better anyways. <laughs> but, but I mean, I just, part of it's like the cola flavor marries much better in my eyes with like the horrible, like chemically taste of, of like commercial grenadine. Um, but the whole thing is just like, it's, it's just kind of like, why I just, I, I feel don't... like I need to go out and order one and see what happens. No, you me. don't. You just had the, the quintessential recipe written by this writer who doesn't know anything about drinks. No, no. I mean it for like the experience to see what a bartender's response to me would be. Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> You're never welcome here again. <laughs> your, your name is mud. <laughs> I'm the editor in chief of Vine. Don't you dare tell anyone that. Don't, don't you dare that would be so bad we're not gonna we're not gonna have a dirty shirley roundup on the site in a few weeks the best vodka is for dirty shirley Zero. <laughs> oh it's coming, oh, it's coming. joanna's Let's gonna do, do it. it oh i'll write it none <laughs> none of this no i mean but seriously y'all don't try see, this at I home think, and i think the weird thing about this is like to come back to what joanna said when she first tasted it of like this reminds her of like her early drinking days it does feel odd that like there like to me there's that there's that class of drinks that i think this would fall into that maybe like the smirnoff ice falls into we've talked about mike's heart and, and other things that are like for some people are a sort of early drinking stage beverage because they're sweet and they're therefore much more you know they cover up the taste of the alcohol more they're perhaps more aligned with the kinds of uh, non-alcoholic beverages that people were drinking when they were younger and then, you know, not everyone transitions away from those things, but there is a little bit of a like, do I really want to be drinking something really sweet and also laden with alcohol when I'm older? And that to me is, again, comes back to this whole thing of like, if it's not young drinkers who are pushing this trend, I would be curious to meet the millennials who are like, yes, a 400 calorie cocktail, 
quote unquote, seems like a great idea to me. Like there's one thing to say, fuck wellness. It's another thing to be like, I want 16 ounces of soda and grenadine and vodka. Like I, that just seems like a bad idea. But that's why I think it goes back to your earlier point, And I can't remember the word you use, but I think it's like transgressive, a, transgressive. Right. I think it's actually irony, right? Maybe. Like we're ordering this because it's so bad. It's good. Like we're cool for ordering it. I don't know. So I think the only thing that you could explain is that perhaps the writer was out at a time that is not a predictor of the future, but it is the present in which everyone was like, I'm going to order one of these. Cause I hear they're the thing to order. Everyone tries them as like, these are fucking disgusting and never orders them again. And by June, this trend will be dead mm-hmm. because if you try one of these, I think you're like, I don't know why I would ever want to drink these. Right. And or like, it's funny to order. It. And when your tummy hurts later, <laughs> Adams will certainly. Yeah. Your tummy hurts later. You're never going to have this again. It's like the worst drinking, worst drinking night of your life. Have you ever tried to go to the bathroom, one of those bar bathrooms that you're probably having this dirty Shirley in? You don't want to. So, I mean, this is, this is why I'm just saying, y'all, let's not do this, okay? Let's not do this. We like good nostalgia. Yeah, yeah good nostalgia. Blooming Onion, yay. Dirty Shirley. Let's all go to Outback Steakhouse or Benihana's. Next let's time all I'm go in to New Benihana's York, together and do, and do sake bombs. And Benihana Punch. Yes. Yes. And with that, have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. I will see you both on Monday. See you Monday. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, Vine Pair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the Vine Pair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.